Where do you think the term jerk off came from? Jerk off. Someone was acting really weird and so they called him a jerk off. Rude. Jerk off. That's, that's self-explanatory. You, you, you're jerking off your... What's your safe word? <laughs> Orgasmic. Welcome back to What's Your Safe Pot. I'm Amp. I'm Mr. Christopher. And today... We are jerking each other off. Oh, no, no, you can't say that. Why? Can, because we're did. not doing that. Oh, I know, but we could. Why don't we do that? Well, it is Masturbation May, and in Masturbation May... Uh, you should be jerking off each other. <laughs> we just had a video go up all about masturbation where we asked... Pretty much, we asked you guys what questions you had on masturbation from the sexy parts to the not so sexy parts to the more obscure parts to the less obscure parts um when do you when did you start masturbating though well yeah i, I think i've told this story before i didn't know how to masturbate because nobody taught me so i up until the age of 18 or 19 like from 14 to 19 i humped my basketball to come i didn't know to stroke with my hand and you still have that basketball, don't you? I do. You yeah, it's my, my my favorite way to come to this day. <laughs> but I also think it's why my dick curves to the left because... The ball. The ball. The ball no, curved you, it. You can my... literally build, not cartilage, but like uh, you can build pretty much like muscly cartilage that curves your, your dick from just doing it a certain way for so long. Like oh, you... I know. I did. I'm just explaining it for people who don't understand. Uh, I kind of I, I didn't really know how to jerk off either until like one day when I was like it was like summer it was summertime and I was home by myself uh -huh. and I was like I think I was 12 or 13 I was I was in my my teens and um, I just kind of was rubbing onto the the couch mattresses or like the cushions See, and found found that it felt really really nice yeah um, and I did that once or twice I think lots of people hump the furniture first probably I, I wasn't even doing it because uh, like someone told me or to be sexual I was just like oh I'm so hot and bored and and at that age you didn't really have lube so doing it with your hand without lube would not be comfortable yeah, no. I think I eventually found out like lotion helped and whatnot. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Either way, Daddy, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Um, jerked off before I came over. Oh, so that's it's so all, kind of I'm you. Like, you didn't want to wait until you got here I'm and do so it. I'm so relaxed. <laughs> I can't do that on YouTube. Why are you relaxed? <laughs> well, a I just took a muscle relaxer, oh. so <laughs> that will do it. I mean, like, how was your week? I, it was good, but I I've been suffering from this uh, lockjaw thing. Um, and everyone's like, oh, do you clench your teeth when you sleep? And I'm like, no, I can't even clench my teeth when I'm awake. Um, and so uh, the pig and I were just having cigars and I was smoking a cigar and it was a smaller size than I always normally smoke a 60 ring. And we went through it and I was like, oh, you know, this weekend I smoked an 80 ring, which is huge. And when I opened my mouth all the way don't hurt yourself. It hurts. Don't hurt yourself, please. Don't hurt yourself. So I think. So I think I smoked a cigar that was too large for my mouth, and now I have lockjaw. Well, what, no, but what did you do this weekend for the third time? Smoked a cigar that no, was too big. No, uh, I swear to God, I'm trying to make this easy for you, where you're able to tell a story that I know you want to tell. What did you do this weekend? We rented a cabin with some friends and it had a really good time, which I, I really needed. I mean, we've been doing event, 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 event. Uh, we've been traveling a lot. And last week I came back just sheer exhaustion. Mm -hmm. um, and so actually I wasn't even really looking forward to going away again because it was 
was another trip. Um, but we went away with some friends and we rented a cabin in the Sierras and I just laughed all weekend. It was, it was very lovely and nice. Aww. Oh, I also oh. did something I never do. I turned my phone off for five days. Yeah. I didn't look at social media one time. I didn't even look at my text messages once. I didn't even look at my phone well, once. Well, we didn't have phone service, so text messaging was very difficult. But we did have Wi-Fi. Well, that we helped. Didn't get on your phone once. Yeah. Yeah, no. And it was actually, oh, my God. Would you what recommend a breath it to people? Of fresh air. Yeah. Disconnecting is good. Oh, you disconnect all the time. <laughs> I mean, only when you're talking. But I, I don't get to disconnect from the internet. Disconnect your microphone here in a second. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, I we had just what a wonderful week. Um, I had uh multiple doctor visits. I had a cat scan for the first time. I yeah. don't recommend it. I don't know why you're 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 saying those as positives. Well, I wasn't. I was just giving everyone an update. Like, I, it's been a fucking week of just health. I, I, they still don't know what I what the problem is. The CAT scans we're waiting for. But have you ever had a CAT scan? I have just six months ago at the same place you just did. I, I I'm used to dog scans, but CAT scans are oh, so much worse. They get your tongue. They 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 don't. Did they have to shave you down for it? No, but I did take off my collar just to make sure that I wasn't interfering with the the metal. The metal detector. The it's not a metal detector. They put detector. this liquid in you, though. I hate IVs for the first, like for first first did, part. Did IVs. you have to take barium? That's, I don't know. That's poison. I had to drink a lot of water, and then they pump you full of this this. Uh, liquid so that they can see inside your stomach it's a milky liquid yeah and i i was just oh it's been a week and getting that in your system and then getting it back out is a killer your body goes through this whole anyway and so did, did they shave you down though no not for a cat scan but do you know what would be really great if they did oh today's sponsor wow not you wow, <laughs> usually, like it twice i had to <laughs> usually you don't segue i was i was giving you the time to tell the stories and okay. anyway today's sponsor manscape are y'all ready to shave some dollars in the new year do you need a cat scan and really want to be smooth for it maybe you need to try the new lawnmower 4.0 from manscape or the weed whacker 2.0 or if they had been scanning my face which they weren't you could also use their new beard hedger what would a cat scan with a face cat scan be <laughs> uh Awkward. i mean i've had facials before but yeah. never <laughs> though if you're gonna shave your head make sure you get the the shavers that have a, a head above the rest manscaped <laughs> offers not only the lawnmower 4.0 crop preserver ball deodorants but also revivers toners and the new performance boxer brief it sounds like you need a reviver after that after I'm still trying, I'm we're just still trying to figure you out. You need a reviver. Try the try, try the manscape reviver. See if that'll fix it. Oh yeah, because you're a a good, cleanly, nice manicured body will lead to a manicured soul. That's the oh yeah. <laughs> but if you'd like to get your own savings at Manscape, twenty percent off and free shipping. Use offer code What Daddy. What's twenty at Manscape.com and hop into the new year with a brand new pair of sheared balls. You know we're in May. It's still we're, the new year. We're almost halfway through the well, new year. Well, maybe next maybe month will be six. It's the, it's the halfway <laughs> to the new year. Again, if I go to offer code Watts20 at manscaped.com. Thank you, Manscaped. <laughs> but, Daddy, so we we had a really nice time. We went out into the cabin in the woods. No one died, even though that one, you've seen Cabin in the Woods, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Good movie. Comedy gold. Yeah, and we just went with a really good group of guys. And what I really kind of liked about it, it was uh, two other couples and us. And it was just, um, it was easy, relaxed. We didn't have to do anything. Everyone took turns cooking. Um, Cleaning. 
fucking yeah there's a little wife swapping going there was on. a there was a, a, a lot of wife swapping in the living room yes as well as just a whole pool table that had pop did you ever play the popper pool I did not I play, how to play. No, see, pool. this is where that was too much. This is <laughs> where me and another guy enjoyed our cigars out on the deck, uh, and you had brought me a gift of a big ring cigar in eighty, which I don't normally smoke from Claw. I think you got it at Claw, mm -hmm. and it was lovely. But man, did it jack my jaw up. No, we know. We heard. Yeah. <laughs> You want to tell us more about your jaw? My jaw. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is your yeah? Oh, your poor jaw. My appendix may be exploding. <laughs> yeah, but my jaw. <laughs> oh my god. Well, regardless of being well manicured, uh, maybe having a little bit of lock jaw or just a bad appendix, we had a nice weekend either way. What was your favorite part it. of the weekend? My favorite part was just being able to relax, just, mm. just being able to chill. We had some pot. We watched some movies. We it, there was snow. My favorite part was the snow. Oh yeah, one morning we woke up and it's it's like May. So and it, I was not expecting that, but we're up in the mountains. So uh, and I woke up and I was a little terrified terrified that my uh, car got snowed in because uh, the driveway into this cabin was steep and I had just parked right in the middle of the steep driveway and I wake up and there's three inches of snow and like. My car is never coming out of here. <laughs> well, well, it's interesting you talk about inches because today we have a nice podcast all about masturbation, May, all about mm -hmm. masturbating with the actual person who wrote the book on masturbation. Mm -hmm. Now, we are talking to, and when I say we, I mean me, Gloria Bram, and she is a wonderful American sexologist, writer, sex therapist, and based in Athens, Georgia, of all places, a member of the American College of Sexologists, as well as clinical sexologist and therapist. And I talked to her. Now, we had a bunch of questions. As I said, we put up a new episode all about masturbation myths, mm -hmm. asking all the questions that you can't ask your normal therapist. Did you ask clinicians. her what, where Jackoff came from? Um, Actually, I didn't. But I asked her all about the history of sex in America and just the, the way that we stigmatize, that we demonize, as well as some of her favorite positions and best practices when it comes to learning how to masturbate or learning how to break getting into the groove of masturbation with certain object daddy objects or just positions because we can work in grooves very similar to the way that we can work in like kinks and fetishes that maybe we rely on too heavily. Even poppers. Some people rely on poppers too heavily when it comes to jerking off or sex and that can build this unhealthy relationship with certain parts of your body or careful. the way in which you get off careful the gooning community is coming after you we were i was not coming for the gooning community <laughs> although we have a gooning episode coming up soon as well oh which do I'm, we I'm looking forward okay to. cool yeah so she has a brand new book out that's called uh the truth about sex a sex primer for the 21st century that i read but she's done tons of other books from uh a fetish for men by gloria brahm uh naked memory as well as erotic awakening so if y'all are down for a little bit of heavy petting or maybe masturbating, check on into this podcast and this lovely, wonderful, okay, and my favorite part about this entire, if the patrons are watching, my favorite part of this interview, Gloria was just sitting there with a cigarette the entire time, smoking, answering oh. questions, lying back. She was so relaxed and so laid back. It was a wonderful, wonderful conversation. So without further ado, let's get Gloria on here. Daddy, get out of here. No! Get out of here! I didn't even get to do my tea. Oh, oh, wait, tea! Then <laughs> daddy, you have to get out of here. Daddy! Okay, here's my tea for this week, and I, 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 there's a certain puppy if they're listening. Oh, no. <laughs> so, 
The weekend was lovely, lovely, right? Uh, and one of the great things about going away is being able to sleep in, right? And not totally. having to get up at, at a certain Absolutely. time. Well, we all took turns making dishes. Well, this one puppy that was part of the group had told us he was going to make a quiche for us the next morning, which, great, love that. Um, what I didn't know was that meant he was going to get up at 5.30 a.m., not tiptoe down the street, down the stairs, clomp down the stairs, <laughs> start unloading the dishwasher. <laughs> and I mean, the cabin is dead silent. You can hear every they single thing happening. Chop, 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 chop. I'm like, I'm laying in bed going, what the fuck? And so finally, I can't sleep anymore. So I get up, I tipped, I walk silently, so silently, he didn't hear me coming. As he's holding a knife? Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing? But I whispered, what are you doing? Because another couple's bedroom door was right off the kitchen. So he's like, I'm making quiche. I'm like, well, can you make it quieter? <laughs> and so I'm like, I need coffee now. So I silently made a pot of coffee. I'd like slowly putting everything in, da, 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 started the coffee machine. And then uh, I hear this behind me. I turned around and I glare at him like, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm aerating the dough. <laughs> I'm like, okay, come sit with me on the couch for an hour and have some coffee and be quiet. He woke up the entire house at 5.30 a.m. To be fair, I was already awake at 4 a.m. because my uh, appendix area was hurting. So Yeah, but that doesn't make it fun for everyone else. Anyway. Well, it wasn't fun for me either. If you're in a group situation, don't get up early and start clinking dishes around. Anyway, I'm done. That tea. We got the puppy back later, maybe, though. Maybe you need to just masturbate. Maybe you need to I did twice. Relax. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> not with me, you didn't. Uh, well, let's go ahead and get Gloria on here then. A wonderful conversation and a big old thanks to her. And I can't on wait. with the podcast. And welcome to the show, Gloria. How are you doing today? Thank you for taking the time. Thank you very much, Amp. I'm delighted to be here. And uh, as I was explaining, life is chaotic today, but that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> a little bit of chaos never hurt anyone, but I find it does I can make... handle chaos. <laughs> yeah. It's chaos without stress, you know? Good. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a good brat scene. Chaos, <laughs> less stress, and a lot of fun, hopefully. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time today and coming on the show. Um, I found out about you and your book, uh, The Truth About Sex, a sex primer for the 21st century, through a good friend of the show, Ray Spannon. Um, who speaks very, very highly of you. And so I, the, the very first chance I got, I, I was like, would you, would you like to come on the show and just talk about your experience, your journey, uh, your expertise? Because I was yeah. looking into like masturbation and we had, we had our, our community of people that were just really curious about masturbatory practices as well as just sex and race. Mm -hmm. Race had nothing but good words and recommendations. So again, thank you for coming on the show. Um, do you mind just kind of giving our audience a brief, like who you are, what you do, and and what made you who you are today? Uh, well, I was about 29 when I finally accepted that I was kinky as fuck. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> it took, you know, I mean, I, you know, looking back now, it everything pointed towards kink from the time I was a little kid and falling in love with Spartacus on the cross, <laughs> <laughs> you know, to all the weird games I played with myself and all the weird things I did with boys. And, um, but it took me several years, I think, to really understand that there was a label for me because I really knew nothing about BDSM. You know, my impression of it was so warped by what I, you know, the lessons I learned growing up, because when I grew up, masturbation was abnormal, homosexuality was abnormal, and what we call kink was considered um, aberrant sexuality. And I was a book, a book reader and a, you know, very bookish person. And I thought everybody knew what they were talking about. Sure. And then I found my way into the community. I mean, I just... I met somebody who escorted me to a club and I was like, you know, I had asked, I wanted to go see what it was all about. I had read about it and I was, what men acting like ponies. I got to see this, <laughs> <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And um, of course it was completely not what I expected. It was so different from all the, false narratives that had been created around who we were and bolstered by laws and psychiatrists as absolute truths, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was nothing like what they said it was. And I remember even early in my research, you know, I was reading a psychiatric volume on fetishes and I was, I had, I have fetishes. And I knew that. And I'm like, this is all wrong. You know, mm. it's really wrong. So um, I had by 1987, I started online because I was a super early adapter of the Internet. I was on before there was an Internet, when it was just bulletin board systems in the mid 1980s. Um, and in 1980s, and I quickly found my way to places where there were kinky people, of course, <laughs> you know, and um, I ran a support group and somewhere between the combination of doing so much, what ended up being a lot of peer counseling, trying to support people, letting them know that they weren't abnormal, that other people did this stuff and that we were not, uh, broken isolate yeah we were not broken we were not outcasts unless we came out in which case our families tossed us <laughs> which kind of happened to me but you know that we were actually mainstream people quite often you know that we covered every possible demographic you know that you could imagine in terms of ethnicity race cultural background religious belief um, class. It was just a universal. And I would say that I wrote a book, which many people believe was there was groundbreaking and has been used a lot as textbooks. And that was called Different Loving. And it presented the stuff that we do within context. In other words, 
go back as far as you wish in ancient history, you'll find people who were doing this. They didn't have psychiatric labels for it. If they were condemned, it was strictly on religious grounds. Mm -hmm. It had nothing to do with mental illness because the concept mental illness had not been invented really until the late 19th century, you know, that the most common single act in human life is not intercourse or penetration of any kind, but masturbation. It, it really became my obsession for years just to show that queerness has always existed. Body modification, tattoos, whipping. You know, we have actually historical proof from cave paintings, Roman art, you know, whatever the church did not destroy, because they destroyed right. so much. I mean, our history was always being erased by authoritarian forces, whether it was a religion that destroyed it or governments that destroyed it or fascists who came in and actually like Nazis dismantled entire communities mm -hmm. and tried to kill off as many people. You can't kill us off. You can't kill off queer people, gay people, trans people, kinky people, fetishists, poly people. And the reason you can't, there is evidence which suggests, but has not yet entirely proved everyone's satisfaction. But I would say that um, all of us sexologists who study this stuff feel that it's close enough to be able to say that diversity is the norm, just as it is in the animal kingdom. So I felt that message, uh, you know, could not be stated off enough because people don't even get sex education to let them know that masturbation is a great way to stay healthy. Stay healthy. Really bottom relieve line. Relieve stress. Find yourself. Yeah. It's learn learn what you like, what kind of sensations you like. Do you like it rough? Do you like it soft? I mean, for years and years, you know, the stimulation of the male nipple was completely ignored. God. And Tell it was that assumed that right? It was assumed <laughs> that men don't have sensation there, which is ridiculous. Some men have very sensitive nipples, and a lot of men, especially in our community, really like a lot of sensation to their nipples, mm -hmm. you know? I do. Maybe they can take, yeah. Personally, no. no, but my partner can easily, easily get off by just some some proper touching, caressing, and twisting of the nipples. But I, I find in, in, in the stories and anecdotes that you shared, like, there's so many parallels with sex ed today and just needing that permission. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. like, the undergroundness and nature of clubs back in the day of bars and even of BDSM organizations that did teach. We see that a lot nowadays too, with how we're trying to share information um, from just tweeting things online to even like YouTube stuff, because our mm -hmm. primary audience comes from YouTube, but we have such a hard time just sharing basic clinical science with a little bit of anecdotes that make it fun and, and approachable, you know, make it something yeah. that you can look at and consume and just enjoy and find permission in. And it sounds right. like even back then, so many parallels there. Sometimes it's just giving the permission to people to be like, it's okay to, it's okay. It's okay. 
on some level, I still do the same work I did 30 and 40 years ago because I'm a sex therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, depending on the client, I really feel like my biggest job with them is giving them permission to love their own bodies. Yeah. Or just give them the words. Because like you said, it was it was clinically, it was illegal. It, we, we were seen as, you know, these sodomites that were evil in all ways, shapes, and forms, especially by the DSM and, and therapy back then. Correct. Um, and thank God. And needed medication and all kinds of terrible, terrible things that they did or electroshock therapy. I mean, the way they tortured, that's that should be a book in itself, but... The way they tortured uh, lesbians and gay men, mm-hmm. officially, you know, with the blessing of psychiatry, um, is sickening. You know, what a joke. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's barbaric. And we see, again, that parallel again today with all of the, the politicians trying to come for not just the sex, the sex ed, but our trans brothers and sisters and the communities no that aren't it's, the gender it's conforming. Just, it's contemptible. It and is. you know they're they're acting out of proud ignorance. They're proud that they don't actually know the facts because mm-hmm. they're equipped with their belief system. So you know that's like what happens if you don't eat fish on a Friday? You know it's as if somebody <laughs> telling you, "Well, that's it. You're going to hell, man." <laughs> Are you though? <laughs> Listen, I was I was raised Catholic, and we did Lent, and every once in a while, my mom would have fish, and I'd be like. Uh, I thought you were, and well, well, it's not, it's not that bad, you know, that we can be lenient about that, but being lenient about being gay, no, not at all. Like it's, right. it's, it's the rules that, that they get to choose to break or not. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. I respect yeah. other people's religious beliefs because I really feel that life is hard and whatever makes you happy is okay. In which I include feeling like you're identified in the appropriate gender, feeling like if you're gay, you're loved by a same-sex partner. You know, if that's your happiness, you should be entitled to it. No yeah. questions asked. You know, it's a it's human happiness, and it takes myriads of forms. And we suspend our judgment when somebody does crazy shit that fits into our belief system, you know? Yeah. And we condemn things that don't fit into our belief system, but which are common, rational, harmless behaviors. Masturbation, for instance. <laughs> masturbation, blowjobs, you know, all of it. Everything. So... But yes, masturbation especially. <laughs> The whole reason that you were even really brought on my radar to begin with was because I started we, we do like deep dives into topics from um, legal related things where we have lawyers on to talk about kink and how that all works in um, to how consent works to the origin of safe words. And um, last last week, I was asking my audience, like, what questions do you guys have about masturbation? And mm-hmm. I was not ready for all of the different questions that people come up with. I. Even as a sex positive person myself, sometimes I'll be doing research on a topic and I'm like, I've never even considered why someone would feel the need to like look into the sciences of lubes that we use or can you masturbate too much or is there too little masturbation? If I don't use it, do I lose it? So with your expertise and just having a nice back and forth conversation, I would love to ask some questions from our audience specifically and 
I would I will answer them as specifically as possible. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> well then um I think the easiest thing to start out with um is talking about shame, which we've kind of already got into a little bit, because mm -hmm. so many people in our community have a bit of shame to their kinks or fetishes, the BDSM practices they want to get into. Um mm -hmm. and I'm curious, do you think that shame helps or hurts, or maybe even both, uh, do you think that shame has a, a large part in building a BDSM identity? Oh, well, <laughs> it's it's kind of two things. Um, shame is toxic. Shame is toxic to the individual and their perception of themselves. So many clients, for example, it's they have of mine have had toxic shame that prevented them from enjoying their bodies to the fullest. Sure. From, as you noted, you know, from getting a little relief from stress when they really needed it. You know, they and in that case, I would say that the journey through BDSM, uh, not just at the beginning, but what what you should, one hopes, see eventually after you really explore is that masturbation is just plain old great for people. Mm -hmm. And I can explain scientifically why, but for now I won't. Now, at the same time, shame is interesting in BDSM because we also like humiliation scenes. And you can't do humiliation if you can't get somebody to feel a little shamed about something and get them to blush. So I would say that actually... By playing with shame, people actually kind of lose their shame. Yeah. You yeah. know, which is kind of a bummer because, you know, like um, my partner has been doing this for the last 20, let's say 25 years. So when I first knew her, it was so easy to embarrass her <laughs> and do a little, you know, just having to ask permission to go to the bathroom. Totally, you know. She got tongue-tied and, you know, really <laughs> blushed. Whereas now, 30 years later, it's like, I'm going to take a crap. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's all, that one is over. I mean, I still know she has other buttons I can push. But, you know, it's fun to play with. And maybe it's fun to play with because it's also kind of makes the person not only lose their shame, but get comfortable with acts they couldn't even talk about mm -hmm. at one point. And talking about sex is extremely important for our brains. Agreed. Well, so, but to that, like our, our brains, so many people's instincts or knee-jerk reactions when you start talking about sex, masturbation included, they feel so bad as if like it it is a terrible, bad thing. Like, why do you think stuff like, or actions like masturbation is so heavily vilified. Because that's what they learn from their parents, mm. from their clergy people, from possibly from teachers mm -hmm. and other adults, or even from peers who thought it was, you know, nasty and naughty and you shouldn't do it. They never heard the actual reason why people masturbate, which is 
because our brains want us to masturbate. Yeah. We are wired to need sexual release so that we can stimulate that beautiful, you know, that beautiful cocktail of brain chemistry, you know, it's dopamine and oxytocin and serotonin and androgens and all of that stuff that is stimulated by sexual pleasure and gives our whole body benefits, everything from improved skin quality to um, prophylactics against stroke and heart attacks <laughs> and lower incidence of prostate cancer and breast cancer in people who we have the evidence in people who come, let's say, three times a week, which is why a lot of urologists now have begun to advise men to keep the pipes clean as they <laughs> <laughs> that there's Clearing no the unsexier way than telling me to clean my <laughs> <Right>? pipes <laughs> clean your pipes man you know clear your plumbing out i mean it's so gross you know why can't they just say listen masturbate three times a week get off it's better jerk off get yeah, off so, so many it's, ways. it you know the way people are fanatical about brushing their teeth you know, some people, some people, some people. Not, ever, not everyone. Your whole generation, <laughs> Amp. <laughs> They're getting better. You know, yeah, uh, but teeth, you know, are, have become so important. But masturbation is actually important to us physiologically. Hmm. We have all of the scientific evidence and people don't want to believe it. You know, sometimes I'll just like list and you read them because they're in the book, but, you know, Sometimes I'll just list the benefits and people are in shock and they don't want to believe it. And I'm like, go online, Google it. You'll find 20 studies saying, hey, if you jerk off before a stressful event, it'll calm you down. Hey, if you jerk off regularly, your heart's going to be healthier and your cardiovascular system's going to be healthier because masturbation is is good for everybody. I'm not necessarily addressing asexuals who may or may not masturbate, although many of them do. Yeah. You know, so physiologically, unless you have some terrible condition, it's actually good for you. You know, like there could be, you know, like if you just had a severe heart attack, maybe not. You want to sure. wait a little bit, you know. But generally speaking, it's one of the healthiest things you can do for your body and for your mind. Um, and it's crazy that we don't teach that. It's crazy that we don't at least support it as a positive act rather than a sin. And That's very much where my my journey with my body started, though, too, was like my science teacher in Catholic school, my health teacher was was very full of every single little like scare tactic you know your hands are gonna get hairy you're gonna go blind um i'm sure <laughs> you've heard every single one of them under the sun well that that is that was there was a because people labored in such complete and total ignorance about it <laughs> needless to say people in the early 18th mid 18th century were deeply affected by a book that was primarily written 
to advertise some magic potion, which of course didn't work because it was, you know, 1736 or something. You know? Oh, they, they knew everything back then, though. Oh, yeah, they thought they did. <laughs> you know, and it was just God knows what they put in there. Um, but in order to sell it, he this uh, quack wrote a, a short advertising brochure. Well, not so short. An advertising brochure claiming that his magic potion would stop you from masturbating. And by the way, there's never been anything, not even the worst diversion therapy that has actually stopped people from masturbating, um, unless they're like so heavily traumatized, you know, mm. which is what in the 19th century doctors did. They tried to traumatize people sexually, deliberately to keep them from touching themselves. So I can only imagine what the rest of their sex lives looked like after trauma. That's uh, how circumcision got popular in the U.S. It was a quack of... doctor wow. who thought that if, you know, you <laughs> circumcised a boy, he wouldn't touch himself. I mean, it's just, it's so much trash and so sad. And I really feel like psychiatrists, psychiatry should apologize for all of the ludicrous QAnon type theories <laughs> around masturbation of all things about masturbation and about penises in general. And then they tried you to know. make us eat Quaker oats to try to, you know, <laughs> I don't, you, you've that heard was that cornflakes. Yeah. Cornflakes. There it you go. <laughs> was because it was Kellogg who was a great anti-masturbation um, advocate. Component. Yeah. Uh huh. And so he created Kellogg's cornflakes to stop you from masturbating. And what happened? Everybody liked their taste. Nobody stopped masturbating. <laughs> well, I'm curious, <laughs> have you heard any other kind of ridiculous myths like the 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 cornflakes of it all, the 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 hairy palms, the going The blind? hairy palms, um, the men's penises withering. <laughs> Which is in in fact not true because it's quite the opposite. Like the more you it's use quite it. the opposite, which we'll get to um, <laughs> blindness. My, my vision, and of great. course, complete moral dissolution. <laughs> That's how they really get you, though. Is they make you feel morally in like morally wrong, or they try to to yes. fight you versus versus your ethics. They have brought every tool, every evil tool, into their arsenal against masturbation. Not unlike the way today's bigot opposes transgenderism and or abortion. Yeah. By bringing in absolutely non-scientific ideology into the picture. And, you know, I'm sorry, but science is science. It doesn't care how you feel. It doesn't care whether you're right wing, left wing, a hateful person or a good mainly a good person. It's just fact. There is a reason why our brain craves sexual satisfaction. And it's all part of the much larger picture of the role that sexuality plays in human life, which is it's a core part of human life, just as it is a core part of species life. And another crazy concept it's not about sex is not biologically about reproduction. Reproduction is one of the side effects or can be, 
You're not using condoms and you're straight, you know, but they really wedded it to this notion that you're only allowed to have sex to make babies. And that's not what your brain thinks at all. Mm -hmm. You know, your brain is just, we're stressed out, we're depressed. We need better blood circulation in our body. Did you know, do you know why men wake up with stiffies? Ooh, um, I, I should, but I don't off the top of my head. No, but I've read the facts about it. Right. It's, and possibly, possibly because I've spoken about it. I don't know. But the, the people interviewed me about why is there morning wood? What is that about? Because you see, the penis is an extension of your circulatory system. And when you go to sleep at night, what does your brain do? It reflects. It refreshes your entire body, not just your mind. It doesn't just make you drift. It doesn't just give you the rest that you need. It's working in the background. And one of the things it's doing is making sure that things are functional by sending blood to different parts of your body. And several times during the night, that blood's going to go through your penis, giving it a little happy moment because when the blood rushes in, you're going to feel pretty good. And whether or not you wake up, and remember it, whether or not you wake up with morning wood, it's still happening. It's not a conscious mechanism. It, you know, people say, I wake up horny. Well, you wake up horny because your brain is doing what it's supposed to do and giving you a hard up. And to that, I actually have another question from our audience. Um, and again, BDSM and kinksters included. Um, we mm -hmm. had people that were actually asking, like, for those that might be into chastity, obviously you can't have morning wood. But they were also curious, like, if you don't use it, do you, in fact, lose it? It depends on how much chastity you do. You know, everything mm -hmm. in moderation is usually pretty good for the body. There's no problem with going a few days or periodically going a couple of weeks, especially if it's going to be a hot scene and stuff. But if you remain in permanent chastity, like you put your thing on and you only take it off once or twice a year, because um, I had a partner who was like that, mm -hmm. uh, it can diminish your ability to maintain an erection. Yeah, Which I'm not surprised by. I've seen many a, a blogger who is very, very into it and they, they categorize. And I have seen massive shrinkage for some people, as you said, for long, long periods of times of use. Yeah. But um, to that, I'm also curious about talking about like working in grooves. So... We talk about people that are very aggressive sometimes with their masturbatory mm -hmm. practices that then kind of have to ramp it up more and more because they are very aggressive. Is there ways in which you can train yourself, um, maybe masturbation aids or, or things to help you maybe be a little less aggressive with your masturbating to kind of help with the sensitivity down there? Why do you think it is that people get more aggressive? Is that because they're lacking real life experience and sensation? Or is it because it's getting harder and harder to come for them? Or? Mm. I think some people, well, one anecdote that I'm, I'm reminded of is someone who used to jerk off by like putting their dick in between a mattress and the board and like fucking that way. And it makes it hard for them to have normal penetrative sex when they talk mm -hmm. about having masturbation. Or, or right. Just... So we're animals, right? Mm-hmm. We're lovely animals, but we are animals. 
I don't know. How, you know, I say we're great apes. I don't know how, how great we really are looking at the world, but uh, we can train ourselves into bad habits. Mm -hmm. And just as we can train ourselves into those bad habits, we can train ourselves out of them. With consciousness, sometimes it requires guidance, but however you got used to, you know, you can become a porn pig, you know, and train yourself into a state where you can't come without the porn. And I've had clients like that too. So what do we do? We don't just give up on them. We just don't just say, no, porn is your life now. You know, yeah, that's not porn helpful. Porn is going to ruin you for a relationship. No, we say, let's try some gentle behavioral conditioning and try something different. And little by little, we move them towards their goal. And I've never failed with that. Okay. Yeah, no, because like when I when I look into, we talk about sex porn or just sex education in general, people will talk about how like people being like the, the, the more conservative religious types are like, well, porn's ruining your brain. Porn is going right. to destroy your relationships. And much like many things, porn is a tool. It's something that you can use for great great results but as you've said it can also kind of put you in that that weird area of you feel like you need it right well it can be like um you what happens is you train yourself into a compulsive state mm -hmm. and you start you know you're doing you know you're chasing the high that you get because what happens with porn it's not like you start out watching one thing and that's the only thing you ever watch right mm -hmm. You start watching porn and then the person gets wilder and your thrill gets wilder. And before you know it, when you started with, let's say what I would call mainstream bondage, <laughs> you know, <laughs> easy bondage, you know, nothing too tight. And before you know it, you feel like the only thing that's ever going to turn you on is watching something really, really extreme. Right. But that's because. Your brain, and particularly if you don't have a partner to leave these things with, because you've probably noticed that a little goes a long way sometimes, depending on who you're with and the state of your health and <laughs> even your mood. You know, you could be with somebody who's not the sexiest person in the world and yet the sexiest person in the world to you, right? And that's different for everyone. It is. So a lot of it, you know, is also guided by how we receive experience, you know, um, whether we're in love with somebody or grateful to have the experience, or for example, if we go into that experience with tremendous performance anxiety, mm. which again, changes everything or shame, right? Mm -hmm. Or a negative self image that can even block our ability. And what happens with a lot of guys is they may start watching it, but if they feel really ashamed, it starts eating away at their self-esteem and their self-confidence. They start questioning themselves in new ways. And suddenly they need harder porn because their thoughts interfere with the softer kind that they used to have. Mm. And now they need something that really makes them makes their brain go away so they can plunge into it and forget who they really are or what they really like or, you know, and that's that's a risk for people. You know, if you have OCD and you get hooked on porn, that's hard. Mm. 
no pun intended, but that becomes <laughs> very, very difficult. That becomes a challenge because you already have that tendency. <laughs> but I very strongly believe that, let's say the guy who, in desperation because he didn't have any toys, right? Mm-hmm. Started masturbating using furniture. Okay. And not a one time thing. Clearly, you know, he's trained himself into always needing it rough. Is that his original state? Mm-hmm. You know, his what he would have been if he wasn't so ashamed, didn't have to do it, could have covertly, if he had access to flashlights. a flashlight and an anal probe you know maybe that would have been a whole better experience for him oh absolutely and and so like to that and answering the question like i think that we can work grooves into our our sex life but it's it's possible to also be kind to ourselves and and condition the opposite direction as well it sounds like it it gives you a warped sense of what your pain capacity is What's your pink you know, capacity? Pain. Oh, pain. pain. Oh, pain. In other words, you can become accustomed to pain and that becomes part of your routine. So the question is, do you have any potential to be sensual? Mm. You know, these are, you know, in other words, who are you authentically? If you didn't have all this baggage and trash in your life, let's say religious naysaying and parents who didn't give you the privacy so you had to do it late at night in the dark mm-hmm. all the time. I still have that fault. Like for me, you know, nothing could happen until I knew my parents were asleep. Oh, same. Right, right down the hall, you had to be quiet. Right. So I really got used to darkness as part of my setting. Okay. You know. I do. Um, I find I find there are there are certain there's, all, there's almost a routine, and I'm not OCD about things, but the, the more you are in line with your routine, the more comfortable, the less stressed, right. and the more in in that in line you feel with, with the, the general right. energy. Right. Whereas I think that people who were relaxed about it and never made to feel shame and no adults were interfering with their happy, you know, little happy time in bed when they were kids, you know, they tend to have a more relaxed attitude about it. They're not you know, as strict about what has to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, more natural, you know. Yeah. To that then as well, I have another question. Um, much like sex positions, are there standardized masturb- masturbation styles? Like, is there, a, is there a specific list of like styles or positions <laughs> that you generally go to whenever someone's looking for either help or uh, guidance in that realm? I don't think there is. <laughs> Well, I, yeah. I, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I, don't, I really don't. I mean, certainly I've never seen any list or anybody claiming. I mean, you know, and I get asked all the time, like by magazines and stuff, you know, what are the hottest positions for couples or what position? You know, what works for one couple may or may not work for another couple. Yeah. Every time I have to give generalizations like that, I groan inside, you know, because... <laughs> You know, like what what would be a really hot date? You know, I know what would be a hot date for me. I don't think it would be a hot date for the readers of Women's Health. <laughs> you know? No, but they're looking for something clickable, a clickbait title where it's like at the top. And they're looking for simple, something simple and which pretty much already falls within the parameters of stuff they accept. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like these days, one can talk pretty openly about bondage, but circa 1990, even the mention of bondage, even the mention of tying somebody's wrists might get you censored in Canada or something. Or just trouble over your job or your family oh, or, well. yeah, the, the criminalization of it is very, very clear within the histories of not only therapy, but the right. queer community itself. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's interesting to me that a lot of people do come into the kink world with a lot of their vanilla baggage still hanging off. Agreed. You know? Yeah. And I feel that actually um, gay men and lesbians, you know, having come out, if only to themselves, but having come out and accepted that they're gay or lesbian, because I think they're different phenomenon, but that's for another time. But um, gay or lesbian, you know, a lot of them learn to reject all the old lessons about sex and sexuality and what's possible and what's permissible, mm-hmm. you know? But a lot of people who come into kink may not have that grounding, and they bring a lot of the assumptions with them about how relationships are supposed to work and what is supposed to happen, you know? And we have to give that up. You know, if you think it's okay to be put in a dog hood and led around by a collar, which I hope your listeners do. Oh, uh, considering, yes, I, I mean, I don't know if you can see many dog things back here, a uh, fire hydrant. No, I'm I'm a big dog proponent here. Yeah, right? <laughs> Why would you cling to what people in the 18th century had to say to about masturbation? Well, I've seen many if a, you can 18th ex- century dog picture as well like there's plenty of pervertible like art back from back then (laughs) there actually is but there's also although they tried to erase it there was plenty of erotic art about people masturbating too and blowjobs too and threesomes and foursomes and orgies and fetish behavior i mean it exists it was just really erased we've only kind of revived that porn by finding the remnants of what once was and putting it on our websites and going, see, people did that. <laughs> <laughs> and then having the website censor take down or remove yes, Google exactly. searches, you know, like, yeah. There you go. That's it's tough. My life. <laughs> I, I I am right there with you, but that makes it so, and I feel so bad for like the next generation of teens trying to become aware of their bodies, aware of their sex, aware of just them and how they change, like, what can we do to better acclimate or prepare the next generation for just the, maybe not just the censorship, but the sex negative attitudes that we face on a daily basis? Oh man, you know, 40 years of doing this and it still bums me out. Oh. I'll, I'll be honest. It really does. You know, I found, I recently found like a, somebody had reposted something I had to say about masturbation on a website for Nigerians. And boy, it was a, it was a, actually a, fa- it was Facebook Nigeria. Don't, I was looking up a link for you, as a matter of fact, <laughs> and I thought, what is this conversation on Facebook? I don't remember having, con- and I go, I go over there to find out I'm the devil and I'm going to hell. Oh, and have, You know, so, and it, it's just sad to me. It's not like I feel personally insulted. 
it's like, what the hell is going on there? And how are people really managing? I mean, there was a very small percentage who said, listen, you know, it's normal. Mm-hmm. And there was a much larger percentage who took the what I imagine Catholics would have said in 1960 about the subject. You know, so we just can't expect all people to share one belief system. We can't have COVID taught us anything. It's that we can't expect people even to accept science. Yeah. And and even then, like we so we do obviously the YouTube videos every week and Sometimes we get advertising on stuff, which is how you pay your bills right. as a as a content creator on the internet. But every once in a while, it's so frustrating, even when we're talking about like how to be sex positive, how to ethically consume porn. Right in front of those videos will be ads before the video that are anti-masturbation or are anti, you know, trans issues or are anti sex and porn. Literally targeted ads that are going against the topic of a video. Like it's Amp, if I, you know, oh. if I was queen of the universe, all that would <laughs> Because that's just some kind of, that's just total quackery. What's funny is people have called me a quack for following the science, but that's another story. Here's my position on all of this and all kind of sex positive activism. The only thing that matters is that we do the work Mm. because people need to hear it. People need to know we exist. There are people who are desperately searching for people like us. And we will reach people who are receptive or in a place in their lives where they can benefit by it. And those people will come up to you at events and let you know how awesome you are Mm -hmm. and how much you changed their lives. Because, you know, that's happened to me with my books where people have said, you gave me the language to speak about these things. You made me feel like I wasn't the only one in the world living these things. And there is simply nothing you can do about angry people, dumb people, and mean people, except do your own work for the joy that it brings you in spreading truth and take heart from the hundreds, thousands, millions of people over time who will learn from you and who you will influence without even knowing about it. Mm, yeah, you know? I do. I love that. It, it, you, you just create good work and you just keep creating that good work. I mean, I'm like one of the most censored people in the world. I cannot tell you how many places have censored me out of articles and books and disinvited me from events and fired me from jobs when they found out, you know, that I'm kinky, for example. Has it stopped me? Fuck no. (laughs) Why? Because maybe their children will understand what they don't understand. (laughs) Maybe one day they'll be so desperate, they'll find their way to me and finally get the education that they need. That's happened a lot. I mean, I would say that 80% of my clients these days are under the age of 35. And it's really a blessing because they can make change. It's a lot harder when I get somebody who's 65 and who is really fully bought into this stuff for most of their life. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, like a client I had, she and her husband, they were in their mid-60s. And she was really upset because she hadn't wanted to have sex with him for years. And she was upset that he was masturbating. And I'm like, 
what recourse did you give him? And what are the options? Did you expect, what are his options? Cheat or masturbate? And masturbation is actually good for you? And she just couldn't believe that. I mean, she just started laughing and laughing, but it was the laugh of being freaked out and uncomfortable with the subject, mm-hmm. you know? And I think she is kind of exemplary of a lot of the people I've spoken with. You know, they've just, it's just been so entrenched in their belief system. It's almost impossible for them to accept that it could be fun. Now, you know, on the other hand, I've had people who come to me in their 30s and 40s, and they're desperate enough to, you know, actually follow my advice. (laughs) (laughs) And the quality of their lives transforms hmm. simply well, through the power of self-acceptance, I would say. I, th- I think I, to, to make it kind of a full circle, though, is like sometimes it's it's the work that other people do that gives people the permission just listening to someone talk about how difficult yeah. something is, like accepting your own sexuality or just accepting you're a sexual person at all um, is what makes it OK for someone to explore to grow, yes. to touch themselves, pun intended, and then touch other people. And remember, you know, one of the, you know, people have said to me, so you changed how the world saw BDSM when you wrote your book. And I thought, you know, if I was just one person saying these things, I probably wouldn't have. <laughs> but there were so many activists and there were other writers. And, you know, suddenly it was a lot of different voices conveying similar messages. You're okay. Your sexuality is okay. Sex is normal. Even if you like weird shit, go online, type your weird shit in, and you'll see there's like 12 publications about it, which means millions of people are at least curious, if not involved. And that tells you that you're not alone in the world. There's nothing weird about you. We should stop calling these things weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because too many people are doing it. And in medicine, you know, if you have 12 million people who have a particular health issue, it's not abnormal anymore. And we need to do that with sexuality. So I feel that every little drop of sex positivity adds a voice for good. Agreed. Gloria? I think that's where I'm going to call this wonderful conversation. You've been such a lovely light today. Um, I uh, really enjoyed not only learning, uh, reading, and having a, just a nice face-to-face conversation with you. Yeah. But I want to make sure that people are able to find you, not just The Truth About Sex, which was a wonderful book, but all other publications where they can find your writings or just if they have any questions. Um, where can people find you online? They can write me at Gloria at... Gloria Bramecom, which will you pop I'll, I'll put a link, yeah. All in the description. Spell out my website, but you know, once you know how to spell my name, and the internet knows me very well. If you just want to read stuff for free, you can always visit on my website my blog, where I talk about many, you know, it's kind of a sexual impairment, I would say, is my focus. So I talk about everything from overcoming shame to how stereotypes hurt people, um, even to dealing with stress and, you know, as related to sex, but even just plain old stress in life, because I'm really writing there as a sex therapist. 
or just Google my name and, and with whatever topic you want to investigate. You know, is it masturbation? You can see what I've said. It's free. It's easy. I'm on <laughs> Google everywhere. You know, so, um, but I really love when people sign up for my newsletter on my site. When you sign up for my newsletter, I never send you garbage. I don't send you ads. All you do is get an update, an update every time I publish a blog. And if the topic sounds interesting, obviously I am kink aligned and very queer friendly, you know, and very inclusive. So. Thank you very much. Again, all those things, all those links, all of the, the blogs, podcast or podcasts that you're currently listening to, uh, but books are going to be in the description if you'd like to continue to check out Gloria. I just want to say thank you one more time for coming on today um, and for being such a nice, thank knowledgeable, you, wonderful resource in our community. And uh, I can't wait to talk to you next time. Okie dokie. Bye. Bye, -bye. Bye everybody. Bye. <laughs> See you later. I'll see ya. Um, I'll go ahead and cut the recording there. But um, okay. I just want to say thank you again. No, uh, with with the with the cameras 